0: You're listening to the P is for Profit podcast with Adam Lean, where it's not about how much you make, it's about how much you keep and how much freedom you enjoy. Welcome to P is for Profit, a podcast that breaks down business concepts into simple and clear language. This season is dedicated to interviewing e-commerce experts that can help you improve your e-commerce business. I recently had the pleasure of interviewing the founder of a digital marketing company that helps online businesses grow their revenue. So why does this matter? So I preach all of the time that profit is more important than revenue. Why is that? Well, profit is what turns into cash flow. If you make a million dollars in revenue and spend a million dollars in expenses, you've made a million dollars in revenue, but zero dollars in profit. And guess what? You've also generated zero dollars in cash flow what's the point? However, this doesn't mean that revenue is not important. you still got to focus on generating uh, more revenue. However, just keep in mind that the revenue you do generate just has to be profitable revenue. So let's jump into the interview with Stephen and talk about how he helps businesses grow their revenue. Stephen, welcome to the show.
1: It's great to be here, Adam. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, I'm excited because we're going to be talking about digital strategy, something that we all know we need, but we're not exactly sure how to get there. (laughs) Uh, And you're the (laughs) expert on the topic, so I'm excited to dive in. So, uh, you know, before we get started, how did you get to this point? You you own NeedleMovement.com. How did you get to the point of being an expert on digital strategy?
1: Sure. so I started in e commerce back in nineteen ninety eight. Um and that was right before kind of the first internet boom. And you know, I I was fortunate to join a company called Cosmo.com that was doing last mile delivery. So um it, it was just a uh it was a concept running out of New York City where people would order videos and food online and have it fulfilled by bicycle delivery. Um, and, you know, back in 1999, I could see that instant gratification culture forming, how if you order something online and then seven minutes later, someone comes with your package to your home, like it it's, it blows your mind away. So, um, you know that that's where I started my career in e-commerce um and it, it's just you know it's it it's a wonderful it was wonderful to to be part of technological transformation um and to see you know how our our office lives are changing you know and how you know so that was the first step of how you know digital transforms our business lives and you
0: know, this is just fascinating to me. So it's you started in 1998 and it's 2019. How come it's taken this long for big e-commerce players to figure out the last mile?
1: <laughs> Logistics is a really tough business. You know, and it was what's interesting about that company was that Amazon gave $60 million to, um, you know, to Cosmo.com. Yeah. and the company eventually went out of business so they lost 60 million dollars on it and Jeff Bezos still went you know amazon prime is really how they um they were able to get a leg hold of us e-commerce so it's fascinating that someone can lose 60 million dollars on an investment and still in time feel good enough about it to go all in in the future you know so but yes to your logistics is really hard and very expensive so mm-hmm. i think to get delivery really quickly, there's it's always gonna cost someone to transport it. So I think that's why it's it's taken so long. But I, I think it's getting better and better. I mean with I think even international logistics is really interesting too because we're seeing how a company like Alibaba is making it simpler. And I guess in Europe and Asia the borders are closer so people are more accustomed to it. But it's you know slowly getting better as the customer expects immediate delivery. Yeah. Um, you know, so, you know, after, you know, so for the, let's see, about three years ago, I started Needle Movement, which focuses on digital strategy. And before then, I spent about 15 years at larger companies, um, just being that first e-commerce hire and showing them um, how to you know, take advantage of digital trends and run their marketing and technology teams. You know, and I think that that, having done it on the brand side for so long, it gives me a lot of empathy for just some of the challenges that go into, you know, having a winning, profitable, sustainable business.
0: So you, so brands would hire you to, they, they would say, hey, I want to get online. <laughs> There's online things sticking around. So... What would be the biggest hurdles that you would have to overcome with these brands that have traditionally not sold online?
1: A lot of it is cultural where you know the you know the company would know, oh I need to you know we 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 see this you know we we know the web's going to be a big thing, and we don't want to lose out you know so it would be coordinating with the leadership teams. Hiring people, you know, we're needed and, you know, just filling the gaps between your technology, um, your creative, which tools are most beneficial and which marketing is working, is working and, you know, and will be, um, you know, that you're seeing movement from.
0: Got it. So you spent 15 years doing that and then you started the needle movement.
1: Right. So I think was, a, a transformative experience for me on the client side was um, working in fashion. I was at a, a luxury women's wear line called Lafayette One Forty Eight, New York, um, and it's not a household name, but it is actually a two hundred million dollar business. I'm um, actually I'm sure it's a household name to um, you know, to to many women who love the brand, <laughs> but um, just seeing that business grow, um, in like you know in the four Years I was there, it went from an $8 million online business to like over $45 million. You know, so seeing also how um, growth changes the company, because when growth, when you go to that, when you have that spike in growth, it also changes everybody's jobs
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) because
1: you go from, because a lot of times the, you know, like your company goes through certain phases And it was just, you know, with, you know, with all that growth, you needed to buy more inventory, you need to have expertise in different areas that, um, that were done, and maybe where one person was handling, you know, an area, now you needed, you know, three people, um, because there was, you know, more, the goals were higher to reach, and just the, it was just a more complex business.
0: So eight million in sales to forty million in sales what what was the main drivers of that if you had to sum it up
1: uh I think it was a good it was a good fusion between offline and online and um so lafayette one forty eight sends out catalogs on a monthly basis, and a lot of it was just fusing some of the positive attributes of the catalog business with what you can do with digital hmm. you know so at you know uh, You know, so that was, you know, putting together a real email marketing strategy, you know, where, you know, you're, you know, so it's a lot of times it's just building on what you have. That's what's funny about it. Like, it's not like, you know, so, you know, we did a, I think like, let's see, I'm trying to remember the number, but I think we went from about 1 million in email sales to about 12 million um, in the span of three years. Yeah. So like, you know, it's just finding things that people... That you're already doing, that you could possibly do better. Um, paid search was another one, where you know there was a lot of business on Google um, that you know it was there before, but we were investing more in paid search and display advertising strategies. So um, you know some of it was also just customer retention. I mean, I, I remember we did this VIP promotion there, where we just sent out to VIPs a letter from the president. And this was a mailing that got a 21% response rate,
0: which is (laughs) unheard of. Yeah. You know,
1: so I think, but I, I I think a lot of it's just like, it's all, you know, it was a lot of teamwork and a lot of people that were, you know, dedicated to the product were working together. E commerce is always about solving problems. And the more you're, you're, the more you're trying to figure out what's wrong and fixing it. Um, and just, you know, getting a pulse of what's really going on. The, the further you can go ahead, you know? So, mm. you know, and after, so after Lafayette, I, you know, I just had a realization um, that, that I, you know, I, I always wanted to have my own business. And I think, you know, you know, having that great experience behind me um, gave me the courage to, you know, to start my own.
0: So the needle is a digital strategy agency. So. What exactly is digital strategy?
1: So that's a great question. <laughs> um, I think digital strategy is one of the more misunderstood terms, because you know it's like, you know we think, we think we're on top of it, but you know it's, it's hard because I, I think sometimes businesses are so time-starved these days, and the day-to-day just, you know, covering it, covering it is overwhelming, you know, with updating your website, making sure you have inventory, um, covering all these social media channels that pop up every six months and a new one is, is, you know, is always there, you know, so the day to day covers so much that sometimes, you know, uh, people don't spend as much time as they need to on, you know, the, on digital strategy, you know, so it's, You know, so that would be how am I, you know, what can, what more can I do with my website to increase conversions and sales? What are my best marketing channels? Um, Product market fit, which is, you know, do I have an audience that is enthusiastic about the products that I'm selling? Um, And if they're just happy, not enthusiastic, how do I get it from good to great? You know, so there's, you know, and then a lot of it's just how to scale the business. And, you know, th- right now, we are I think business owners are lucky because with staffing, you don't always have to bring on an expensive hire. You, you at least have options. You know, you can either bring someone on full time, you can bring someone on a contract basis, or you can bring someone on a temporary basis. You know, so a lot of it is all these little, you know, so that's another component of digital strategy, which is, you know, how to scale that org chart so that your small team doesn't, is is doing what they do best, not doing everything.
0: So essentially you, if I understand you correctly, you take a e-commerce business and you sort of assess it and then create a strategy to, to grow it. Essentially. I mean, is that the bottom line?
1: Correct. So I'm I'm looking at, I'm really just an extension of the team. So, you know, it's just that my area is owning the digital strategy, you know, in, in a situation before where sometimes with businesses, like the executives sort of own it, but they really don't have time, you know, or a member of a team is, you know, taking a portion of it, you know, so I'm, Like you were saying, I'm I'm looking at the business and just I just want to see what's working and what's not, because what's working double down on what's working. You know, just like we were talking about with Lafayette, if I see email is working then we're going to talk about how we can invest more in email because the return on investment can be really high versus other channels Mm -hmm. Um, and then finding out what's not working. You know, when, when you under, like, it's much better that you understand your weaknesses than your competitors know your weaknesses and take advantage of them. So there is a process of assessing the business and, you know, and then the exciting part is, you know, let's start doing some initiatives. You know, so then I'm just a member of that team um, who's working towards that business's success. And I think these days, like, I really like the idea of sustainable growth versus, you know, explosive growth, because, you know, if you do your numbers and like, let's just say your business improves ten percent each month, consistently, then, after a year, you would have over three hundred percent growth. Um, so, I, in many ways, I just see as a member of the team, just taking whatever we launch or do and trying to improve upon it. You know, understanding what can we can do better, what, you know, is, you know, when when things are not perfect and things are not optimal, like how do we get a little better? You know, is it the creative, is it the platform? Um, can we support, how, how else can we support the staff that's doing something? So it's just working towards continuous optimization um, you know, with the brand so that they can hit their monthly goals.
0: What are the biggest mistakes that e-commerce owners are making today when it comes to strategy?
1: When it comes to strategy or when it comes to...
0: Or really just in anything general. in general, yeah.
1: Okay. I think niche is very important and product market fit. So that... Because just having, having seen, you know, I've, I've had... I've worked with over 30 businesses. And just looking back, you know, the, the brands that do very well, they have an established audience. So they're, you know, they are, you know, they are seeing, they are seeing results. There is an audience that the product really hits them on, you know, it really, that is is, is impacted. And even if their marketing is imperfect, they still have an audience that kind of, that, that wants the product and needs the product, you know, so that's, so the reverse of that is, you know, if if they're struggling, I, I think a lot of it is just being adaptable, you know, where like in some ways with businesses these days, we all have this like there's this facade of perfectionism where it's like, you know, you'll get like, I just want a, a company where people can admit mistakes, where the executives do it, where the interns do it. And because... Mistakes are awesome to find. They're opportunities. um, And we have to encourage the more they get out. Because you can only improve upon something if, uh, like, you know, once you admit it's not perfect. You know, so I think for businesses that are struggling sometimes, it's just they got to find out what's wrong and what they have to fix. You know, so it's not, and oftentimes it's not, like, I mean, sometimes I've, I've heard businesses I've heard a lot of four letter words when it comes to certain social media channels and advertising, uh, like, you know, there has been some pain recently um, in the community with businesses not getting good return on investment with Facebook and Instagram ads, mm-hmm. not every business, but for some, and and I think it's just, it's a problem solving process. So it's like, if it's wrong, it's not, it's not every, like, you know, it's, it's not only Facebook's fault, you know, there could be, you know, it, there could be multiple factors like creative and branding have a huge factor on the success of any outreach, you know? So it's just trying, I think with businesses that are, that are, that are not excelling as much, it's just, it's just trying to problem solve and pinpoint what's wrong and being adaptable to it.
0: And you mentioned niche. Would you say that a lot of businesses struggles with the fact that they're trying to appeal to everybody? And therefore, they're not really appealing to anybody.
1: Yeah, um, I think that's true to some extent. There's, you know, it depends on the size of the company and who they're, you know, it's like how many different marketing, like personas, like a lot of times your, your customer is not, you know, it's not one personality or type of person. Um, There would be, you know, there can be multiple people that. That want to purchase that product. Like, I have, I work with a shaving company. And, you know, that with that company, there's, I mean, and this is wet shaving. So it's with a straight razor. And they have people that grew up with wet shaving. They also have their children, like the son who learned it from the father. And then they also have the wife who loves, you know, her husband's wet shave. So, like, all three of those people are different. It's, there's a different psychology to the you know to buying the product and their motivations to it, but i i yeah I think it's in the in the situation you're describing where it's kind of vanilla i mean you know that one size fits all messaging that speaks to nobody, I guess it's that you want you know with branding and the niche you want it to speak to those personas you know, to the main people that are purchasing the product, you mm-hmm. know, and I, I think typically brands suffer more from vanilla branding that doesn't mean anything. I mean, it's, it's hard out there. I mean, that's, that's the thing because, you know, as I'm saying this, I'm thinking, well, f- like 15 years ago or 10 years ago, even people would be telling you the opposite thing. Cause these days brands, you know, it's, it's just like that. Like Nike Kaepernick ad campaign. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was a a bellwether moment because consumers have so many options these days that brands have to be more persuasive. And these days, customers want a brand that has certain values, or you know, to to sp- and to speak to those values. And if and if a brand doesn't speak to any values, which was definitely the way that things used to be, then you know, it, it might be possible that it doesn't create a passionate enough following, Hmm. you know, and that's, you know, I think the Nike stand is, you know, it's, it's just more of just having, it's really persuasiveness. I think that brands need to think about of how they're really like hitting upon what problem they're solving for the customer and why, you know, you know, like you know, if you take the Nike situation, you know, people can buy fifty different brands of shoes. So, why are they going to choose my brand of shoe versus all the other options that they have?
0: Yeah. And going back to your shaving uh, client, I bet that they, even though they may focus on those three types of of uh, mm-hmm. target audience uh, buyers that you're talking about, they're probably just niching down on just shaving. Instead right. of going into, you know, toothbrushes or, you know, hairbrushes or, you know, shoes or clothing. Uh yeah. So that makes sense. Yes. So Yeah,
1: shaving is a little shaving is a nice it's a nice niche because you're you know, men shaving is going into like a very like it's a masculine demographic and it's it's well identified. So in some ways that niche can make it simpler to market to.
0: So what do you think is the thing that separates successful e-commerce businesses from those that just always struggle?
1: There's, I I think fiscal discipline is also an important element of, I think successful brands are, they're more open to try things out Mm -hmm. and see if things work and test them. You know, it's like with optimization, there is a, there's really a a constant process of testing and optimization, you know, so I, you know, and that's what I see in that, in that successful brand culture that they will have, they will try things out and they might do bold things and they'll test them. And then if it works great, if it doesn't work, they'll go in, they'll, they'll stop. Um, fiscal discipline, I think is really important too, because, you know, there is the person looking at the books. I mean, with an e-commerce brand, there are so many, Different expenses that are coming up quickly, and the transparency of your finances um, is incredibly important, so that you're not throwing money away. You know, like I've seen, and it's there's there's a lot of like one example is operations. You know, where you know just a, a just a random event where you know I remember a business owner telling me like. You know, oh, you know, I'm not I'm not doing as well as my as my sales look. You know, like my gross revenue looks great, but I got all these returns happening. So, you know, take out twenty percent of whatever you see, because that's really what my net is. And then I just have all these other expenses. So you know what we did is we outlined the marketing expenses, the staffing expenses, the operations. Um, And we noticed some things with operations that we just thought were really expensive. And we found out that, you know, the the warehouse was working with one shipping carrier and guess what? Like they might've been charging a little more than they should have, you know? So I think it's just, you know, and that's, you know, that's just something that the owner was probably just seeing expenses, you know, you know, but, you know, doing some regular auditing of, all the software providers you have all the third parties um and just making it a regular thing i think is important because sometimes there's more of a like i've seen the panic audit um and you know but it really should just be like a, a quarterly thing that you know you that the cfo or the person in charge of finances goes to the marketing marketing head and says hey are you still using all these vendors i just want to check you know and a lot of times you know digital and marketing is so fluid that you're going to hear oh yeah we're not using that anymore i think we don't need that or you know another thing that i've noticed is with software is when you go on to annual plans versus monthly plan you know plans you can often save 25% so there's just You know, I think that fiscal awareness um, plays a part with, I mean, another part of fiscal awareness with advertising is finding the right statistics to work with. Like, in advertising, the statistic I don't like the most is ROAS, return on ad spend.
0: You don't like it? Because
1: I don't like it. Really? I I think it's, yeah, I think it's useful. I mean, I'm not saying don't look at it, but the conclusions that people draw are wild, because a lot, like sometimes, like let's say, let's say I'm doing Google advertising, and I'm making two dollars and twenty cents for every dollar I spend. Mm -hmm. I have two dollars and twenty cents of gross revenue for every dollar that I'm spending on advertising that's probably not a profitable formula with all your other expenses, because I, you know, with most companies, they're not, you know, they're not putting over 35% into their marketing, you know? So with ROAS, it's just, you want to make sure your ROAS, like return on ad spend, whatever multiple you're making from your ads is a, is a, profitable formula. And if you're starting out and it's not, that's cool too, but just be aware that it's not. You know, that's you know, but I think, you know, it's really like people are you know, ROAS is still a, a, a statistic that is a good reference point. But you know, just seeing how it's used on between brands and agencies, like I don't sometimes I don't see enough panic when someone has a dollar fifty ROAS you know, or, you know, like that should be a sign that things are not working great and we have to improve versus, hey, we made more money than we, we spent, you know, so that I mean, all ties into this just fiscal, you know, just being aware of the key numbers that are going to impact your business. Um, because that, that fiscal awareness will allow you to adapt quicker and how to identify when things are working or not working you know, because you would rather, if something's not working, you'd rather cut it off after three months than after nine months. And I think your, your numbers are a great way to paint a part of the picture on how effective they are.
0: 100% agree with you. I mean, I, I love what you said earlier about the fiscal dis- discipline and testing because it goes hand in hand. Let the numbers drive your decisions right use data and that and where do you get the data you test test different things and let the numbers dictate whether or not something works totally agree with you
1: and i think it just it also just starts the conversation of decisions like i think sometimes i think a lot of times when you run the business you're you get scared of people getting in your way and you know it's just numbers are the way you make you're going to make the best decisions and even if you don't like, even if the CFO comes in and says, I don't know if we're doing well on this marketing campaign or with this initiative, it's just a conversation of whether you should continue or stop. You could still keep going, but at least you have that insight versus thinking that everything's working when the day-to-day, it hasn't been working yet.
0: Yeah, totally agree. And, Steven, this has been very interesting. I could talk about this all day long just because it's <laughs> such an important piece of of uh e commerce I mean just your strategy you've got to have a strategy in place, but how do you have to know if your strategy is working or not so this is all good stuff where where can people find you
1: um you can fly so um the easiest way to reach me is send an email to hello at needle movement, and I look at everyone um and you know, that's, that's the easiest way to start a conversation.
0: Excellent. Hello at needlework.com. You know, mm-hmm. Oh, go ahead.
1: Yeah. So, and, you know, I think, you know, I, I mean, the one thing that's it's, you know, e-commerce is really a process of learning and that's when you and I, we, you know, or or anyone comes in as the expert, it's like, we really learn from the crowd. Um. You know, so I, I just, you know, I love, you know, I, I enjoy hearing about, the successes people have and the challenges and, you know, how, how we can do it better.
0: Well, agree. So hello at needlemovement.com, your websites, needlemovement.com. I mm-hmm. encourage everybody to check that out. Stephen, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on Adam. It's been great. The PS for profit podcast is sponsored by the CFO project. We help small business owners and entrepreneurs pocket bigger profits. If you're ready to discover the five changes required to boost your profits this quarter, you'll want to attend our latest presentation, Why Your Small Business Might Not Be As Profitable As It Should Be. Register at cfo slash video.